0: Bring the heart.
1: It's time to get loud.
0: Let's go! Because this is Super League.
1: Hello once again and welcome along to another edition of Eddie and Stevo the podcast, supported as usual by our friends at Betfred. Trust you enjoyed last week's special edition with Alex Warmsley here in Cunningham and James Roby. This week we're back to normal as we link up with Stevo down under in Australia. And talking of getting back to normal after a week of thirty-six degrees heatwave here, the heat has certainly been taken out of the weather. Steve-O, I venture to suggest that the heat's been taken out of the top and the bottom of Super League as well right now.
0: <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. Uh, early this morning, it just touched six degrees. It's been the coldest I've ever felt living in Australia since 1973. Oh. It's, free- it's freezing. Well, it's not freezing, but it's
1: cold. I realise that and it's been cold for a a number of weeks, it's been red hot up here and as I say the fact that uh, Wakefield beat Wigan, Toulouse lost to Warrington, that looks like the end of Toulouse and at the uh, top of the table St Helens threw 60 points past Hull and Wigan went down against Wakefield so legally the shield and relegation now looks like it might be sorted out.
0: Well, it looks that way. St. Tellens were always going to be favourites, weren't they? But uh, what a
1: scoreline. This is the third time in 2022 that Hull have conceded 60 points in a match. Now, Hull are supposed to be going for the playoffs, but, I mean, the chances must be hanging by a thread now.
0: Well, it must be a very nervous times as well for the coach uh, and quite a lot of the players because... um, Over the years, the Black and Whites, uh, they've been very quick to say, well, get rid of the coach, get rid of the players, get rid of people. But how on earth can you just sink, what, three times in a season over 60 points? You know, there's something radically
1: wrong. It would appear so. um, But Hull are, of course, secure in Super League next year. To lose, not so. Uh, The fact that uh, Wakefield beat Wigan I mean that was an incredible result But Toulouse beaten by Warrington uh, That means it seems that they will be on their way I do feel sorry for Toulouse Steve-O Just as I did for Lee last year One season in and then one season out Is it time for some sort of change in the structure That allows a newly promoted side from the Championship At least a year's grace So they can compete at the highest level
0: (laughs) The, the idea is solid. Uh, remember, when Catalan came into uh, the top, top league, uh, they also had and were given a time to build, to assess. And let's face it, you know, Catalan have really put down a good marker when it comes to playing exceptionally well. Um, injuries, well... It's affecting quite a lot of teams, isn't it? But you've got to take your hat off to Wakefield. They just have got themselves into a position where they say, look, this is (laughs) do or die. Simple as that. And talk about just hanging on. But to beat Wigan, 30 points to 12, gives you some indication what team spirit they have. Wonderful, wonderful effort.
1: It was. And desperate times, of course, mean desperate measures. And uh, and Wakefield came up trumps as far as that's concerned. I've looked down the team sheet for Wigan. There were one or two unfamiliar names, maybe uh, injuries or suspensions, or maybe, um, you know, Matt Peat and Lee Briers thought, well, this is probably going to be an easy walk in the park for us. Let's try some youngsters out. I'm not sure. Uh, Well, it's hard to
0: say that Wigan are going to were gifting the two valuable points in the league ladder to Wakefield. But it's a way that they've just turned themselves around. They they realized, what, four or five weeks ago, that they could actually be relegated, which would be a shame in regards to the fact that they're they're just starting to build uh, a... Well, you can't say it's a brand new stadium, but they were going to bring it up to a a level that would make sure that they, they had a good ground. I mean, it's been in disrepair for quite some years now, and it would have been, I suppose, many ways sad to see them relegated. But as you say, I think to lose, they're gone now.
1: Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? And look, I don't want to rain on Championship clubs' ambition in any way, shape, or form, but whoever comes up after this year's multi million, uh, this year's million pound game, and at the moment it looks like it might be Lee again, it's simply unfair for them to be expected to come up and compete. They can't invest heavily in star names to keep them up until they know they are up, if you see what I mean. And, and by that time, it might just be too late.
0: When you look back over the years, you would, will see that the players that, from the club that was relegated, nearly a quarter of those players were signed to the club that was promoted. In other words, you was having to get the players that were being (laughs) relegated, then still staying in Super League. And that indicates to me that you're not going to have a very strong squad. I mean, to be fair to Toulouse, they lost two of their best players even before they started their exercise in, in Super League. And it was difficult. It was always going to be, well, a very, very hard road indeed. Because you've only given a a fair amount of time uh, to make sort of promote, uh, uh, shall we say, approaches to other players from other clubs. Because you don't really know until you're going to until you're going to be promoted, and that leaves you perhaps eight, ten weeks to find players that will keep you strong and keep you in the Super League. It's an idea that I you know you've, you've thrown out many, many times, Eddie, and in regards to the fact that, uh, you know, should they have two years where they don't get relegated? I'll put it that way. But it's, it's going to be difficult for the other clubs to accept that.
1: Well, of course it is. Of course it is. But but looking at the, the Toulouse situation, uh, Steve McNamara was the studio guest on Sky Sports at the Warrington-Toulouse game. And he made the point that the game in France has added to the Super League massively. His club of made fantastic strides, of course, since 2006. They finished bottom of the pile a few times as well during the licensing, so, but they've survived. He says self-interest in Super League isn't doing the Catalan or Toulouse any favours. Toulouse relegation won't help the French cause, and he hopes that IMG, who are now looking to improve and strengthen the game for the next 12 years, will make some brave and radical changes to the structure.
0: That is going to be very difficult indeed, because the self-interest has been a problem in our game in the UK for many, many years. They don't really care, and they don't really... If you ask them, honestly, did you want a French side or two French sides in Super League? And I reckon all the clubs would have said... No, it doesn't do us any favours. They don't bring any supporters. They don't bring this. And that is at the expense of making sure that we are expanding our game of rugby league. Rugby Union often call us the northern game. And we are a northern game. And we've tried and tried. We've tried in Wales. We've tried to, we've tried to get a team going in Newcastle. And, 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 but it's been difficult. We always seem to shoot ourselves in the foot. We need Eddie as well. We need a strong international French side. Not only will it be good for Rugby League, it will be good for England as well because they need stiff opposition. They'll have two games before the World Cup starts. That's not enough. We need strong competition. We need a strong international French side. And I think that in this World Cup, they will have a pretty strong side. For the first time
1: in many years. And of course, the next World Cup is going to be held in France in 2025. Interestingly enough, the Rugby Football League and the Super League are now working under the same roof at the Manchester City Etihad campus. This was the move that was planned over the past 12 months or so. They've now both organisations moved in together. Uh, They're going to be working out of the same office. That can only be good for the future of the game. And I just wonder whether they think about the international programme, whether they think about the French clubs, whether there might be anything forthcoming. We'll just have to wait and see, I suppose.
0: Listen, the highlight of every player should be to play International Rugby League. The highlight of International Rugby League is to play in a World Cup. But we have to have strong teams. The development that we've seen with the South Sea Islanders Samoa, Tonga, Papua New Guinea, they are getting stronger and stronger and it's going to be difficult for England to take on these clubs, uh, these, these countries, because they are getting stronger and stronger whilst we appear to be getting weaker and weaker because we need to have a strong competition where we can play three games against France throughout the season, bring back the international flavour.
1: Oh, well, look, uh, the, the big night for, for Super League, of course, is beckoning now, four games away from the playoffs and then uh, grand final on September the 24th. I think the top four is settled, uh, you know, despite the fact that Huddersfield and Catalan both were beaten at the weekend. I think one, two, three and four settled, Five and six are the big races now, and people are saying Salford, who saw off Huddersfield at the weekend, Salford and the Leeds Rhinos. They're being tipped for fifth and sixth spots. What do you think?
0: I, I think you're right, Teddy. I've been impressed the way that Leeds have uh, bounced back. Uh, Salford, well, you've got to take the hat off for them. I mean, they, no one gave them any chance, including myself, that they would even make the playoffs. But they have come up with some tremendous rugby league football. Salford are on a roll. 33-16 over Huddersfield. That's not just a scraping in a win. That's fully control in the game. 33-16. I hate to say it, it's still going to be St. Helens and Wigan.
1: Well, we think that. Salford beat St. Helens recently. And Wigan, of course, beaten by Wakefield at the weekend. So any team can get up on any given day and if it's the playoff and it's do or die who knows but a, a lot of people agree with you Wigan Saints looks like being this year's grand final but you never know you never know Steve-O
0: well i suppose for, i've said it for quite some time now that uh, maybe castleford they could be the sneaky team to uh, to create an upset i mean that was a that was a pretty good win uh, 18-8 against catalan uh, they're playing. They're playing pretty strong, but once again, especially now, you've had—I mean—tremendous weather, heatwave over in England. Uh, maybe that's a situation. You add that to a team that's got many injuries. I mean, look at Hull Kingston Rovers; uh, they will be looking to get a team out next week. They've had—they've had to go through <laughs> through the mill, haven't they? So that combination could just upset it. And you are right in regards that. You know, teams like Huddersfield, Cataline, Castleford, they they have the ability, as you say, a one-off game, and you find yourself with a chance to go to Old
1: Trafford. And, of course, Leeds are the same, and they've won it from fifth uh, a couple of times in the past. They're in the playoff places now for the first time this year. Beat Hulkingston Rovers for the first time there in four years. It's four wins on a trot now for Leeds under... Rowan Smith, you're right, Hulk KR picked up yet more injuries. They're in danger of running out of players. But Leeds, Leeds look like they just could be the bolters in the, the playoff campaign, don't you think?
0: You'd have to put them in, in well, certainly include them in, in the chances from outside the, the two favourites. But anybody with any money and a gambling man, uh, they can't see past St. Helens and Wigan. Can you? I
1: know you're not a gambling man. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I, I think, well, we've been saying that on this podcast from day one this year that it's probably going to be Wigan and Saints. They have the, the two best squads. C- can I just take you to that Hull KR Leeds match at the weekend? We saw a penalty, Steve-O, given for an incorrect play the ball. Ash Handley, he placed the ball on the ground, hoisted himself up and then played it. They could penalise this all day long, couldn't they? How many times do we see the ball played correctly these days? Seriously.
0: Well, that's going to be a problem when it comes to the World Cup, I, isn't it? I think so. They play the ball more with the foot down in Australia now. And I'm afraid that we've got back into the uh, the old game of just rolling the ball back and making an attempt. Now, I know that uh, the Super League and the NRL... Uh, they try to get something, let's have international sort of standard. Uh, but it, it it just goes out the window when it comes to, <laughs> to some of these overseas referees. And you're right, we could be penalised out of a game at a time when we would say it's a closed scoreline. Uh, giving away penalties can lose you a game.
1: It certainly can, and so can in discipline. Here's something for you. 13 players, an unlucky 13 players, have been banned after last week's matches in the Super League. And all the teams involved in the race for the top six are involved. St Helens, Wigan, Huddersfield, Catalan, Castleford, Hull KR, Hull FC, as well as Wakefield and Toulouse down at the bottom. They've all got players missing from games this weekend. And Leeds, of course, the most penalise the most disciplined team or ill-disciplined team, should I say, in the competition. Um, they really ought to have a look at themselves, the players, because when it comes to the World Cup, when it comes to the playoffs, if you're not playing because you've been banned, how, are you let, how massively are you letting your, your teammates down and your teams down and your supporters down? Well,
0: you have to point the finger at the coaches, their attitude towards it. But Rowan Smith, at Leeds has turned them around. There's no doubt about that. At, at what price, though, is obviously injected what we could call uh, not just bring back the bit, but bring back very, very strong defence. And when you get a defensive situation where you can turn them on and just say, right, come on, let's let's really give it some... You can go over the top. Um, Look, and the referees, they've made it quite clear. You know, if you go over the shoulder, that's it. You'll be penalized. And if it's a bad one, you'll be sent off. Simple as that. So it's a difficult combination for all the coaches to say, well, we have to be aggressive, but we have to be careful aggressive. That's difficult. That's difficult to tell, especially forwards, that keep your arms down. It is so difficult to combine the two. If you get away with it, that's fine. But as you say, you know Leeds have, have been the worst in regards to giving away penalties, and that could be their downfall.
1: It could. And as I say, thirteen players this week banned after last week's games. Uh, c- can I? Can I have another whinge? Do you mind if I have another whinge? Why is any two try performance these days described as? So and so grabs a brace of tries. I hate this description, Steve. Braces are something you use to straighten your teeth. Pheasants come as a brace. And of course, braces also keep your kecks up, your trousers. What is the obsession with calling it a brace of tries? I hate it. I'll put it this
0: way, Eddie. Journalists, broadcasters, like you and I in the past, sometimes want to give the impression that we are intelligent.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so we will search for words that we would not normally use during our lifetime. But because we're on a radio, television or whatever, we sometimes fall into that trap of I'll try to impress the audience that I'm intelligent. Come on.
1: Come on. Well, have you ever gone into a pub, steve O, and said, Charlie Harry scored a brace of tries at the weekend? Did you see them? Ever? No, and, and I've
0: never gone into a pub and said, could I have a brace of beers, please?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but
0: I, I, listen, I put it down to it, and, and I appeal to all rugby league fans all over the world That just listen to all the broadcasters, and you'll guarantee that at least one or two each weekend will try to come out with um, a long sounding word.
1: We never did that, did we?
0: (laughs) Well, that's when it was such a point, as far as I was concerned, that I used to say T R Y. Correct. I was trying to make that sound important rather than a try. So you and I we we're not out of the woods yet
1: no that's true and when you used Try it was to prove to people you could spell understand that <laughs>
0: <laughs> what have I just explained <laughs> I was trying I was trying to give the impression that I was intelligent
1: oh okay okay isn't and word. the people
0: and the people close to me know perfectly well I'm not <laughs>
1: Here's another wins. The Challenge Cup final is back at Wembley next year. No moaning about that, but the date is confirmed now as the 12th of August, 2023. So back to August after one year in May at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Wembley is fantastic, but I thought it had moved back to its traditional May date at the behest of the BBC. Now here we are in August again. Flip-flopping dates. does nobody any good. Where now does the Magic Weekend get held? It was held in July this year. Where and when in 2023? Venue and date to be confirmed. We don't know what's going on from one minute to the next.
0: <laughs> no. And uh, once again, the power of the television companies have taken over control. Uh, it was quite open about the fact that uh, the BBC wanted it to go back early in the season. I've always said that they should play it early in the season because it can interfere with the playoffs. Of course, it can. At the end of the season. And I I just can't understand uh, why um, the RFL have decided to to change it. It was always going to go back to Wembley. There was never any doubt about that because it was all to do with finances that they had and they'd signed an agreement that they had to play the, the Challenge Cup at Tottenham because the World Cup was cancelled. That's the reason why they played at Tottenham, because it was a financial move and uh, they would have lost quite a lot of money. So that that's not all about that. But, you know, is it the BBC that have said, oh, no, we wanted it at the end of the season? If you're smart, you'll look at what's going on internationally Sport over that period in May, and if all the other sports are doing very well, and the BBC think that perhaps they 'll get uh, a better exposure late in the season, then that 'll be the reason, but it, it was a tradition wasn 't it yes. you know the start of the start of the summer let 's go down to London. Let's pay twice the amount of money we would pay for a beer, etc., etc. Pay four times, five times what, what it's worth for a hotel room. Six, seven, sometimes ten people all packed into one room because they couldn't afford to, to, to have a single.
1: <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> um, Lee Briers, Steve-O, is on his way down to the Brisbane Broncos as the assistant coach. This is a fantastic move for Lee. And his family. A huge decision though for him. It's been going so well this year at Wigan. Until last weekend. Uh, He's only been there for one season. But he's off. And it says it's it's a chance he cannot turn down. Something he cannot miss this. Correct.
0: Uh, Any given opportunity to go to a club like the Brisbane Broncos. um, They've pulled themselves out of the mire. They haven't been the the great club of past years of late, but they're up there in with a chance of uh, of the playoffs. They've purchased well, and I think it's a great move. And it doesn't surprise me that uh, that, that Libres has just said, "Wow, what a great opportunity!" Because he will have got used to such the heat wave that you've had this year <laughs> in the UK because uh, it gets quite warm up in Brisbane. It's a great city, wonderful, wonderful place. And uh, I wish him all the best. And it just shows you that if you show any sort of interest in regards to an input into the game, let's face it, since he retired, he's done a great job. And I I wish him all the best.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's a deep thinker of the game um, and he watches videos after video after video. Um, and I, I, I take my hat off to him. You know, it's, it's a gamble, obviously. He's going all that way down there, but he's going as an assistant coach. It's a great move for him. And, and his family, uh, you know, they'll have four or five years down there, hopefully. And then he'll come back as a first team coach uh, back to the Super League. It, it's wonderful for Libriers. I'm so pleased for him.
0: Yeah, so am I. But um, uh, just take a deep breath, Eddie. Um, you feel pretty confident that after four or five years down under, uh, he'll come back to England. He may want to stay stay down in, uh, in sunny Brisbane. Why not?
1: Well, he might. But, you know, you can take the lad out of St. Helens, but you can't take St. Helens out of the lad. So he might want to come back to a big job up here. At one of these days, Richard Agar's coming back down under as well, Steve. he's I think he said it was the New Zealand Warriors. He was a guest on the Sky panel for the whole KR Leeds match. Uh, he's a, a great thinker of the game, wonderful coach, won the cup last year with the Rhinos. Quizzed closely about his reasons for leaving Leeds this year, believed his team would have come good eventually this year anyway, as some of the injured players return. He gave a, a very honest assessment from him and uh, hopefully it's a good move back for Richard as well, back into coaching.
0: Yeah, well, it's not the first time he's been down under. Uh, he's had great experience before and uh, I've had many a discussions with him in regards to where he'd want to finish up and there was always a slight feeling that uh, he would finish either, well, especially in Australia, because it is, he's been down there several times and knows exactly how the, the coaching system works down here. And I think it would be a great move for him. It Look, sometimes, you know, a change is as good as a rest.
1: Indeed so, yeah. We wish both Richard and Libri as all the very best in the NRL next year. Talking NRL, you're the man with the finger on the pulse. Christian Wolf, is he going? Is he staying? What's going on? What's happening down there?
0: We made it quite clear that uh, Christian Wolfe is on his way to Australia. He will be the understudy for Wayne Bennett. We made that clear about three or four weeks ago. So he's on his way. But it's been a sad week, uh, I'm afraid, in Australia in regards to rugby league because Paul Green, who was the coach of the Queensland Cowboys, uh, they won the championship in 2015 took his life uh, this week uh, a total shock to his family and obviously the rugby, wheel, rugby league world in general. Um, every game this past weekend, there were a minute's silence for. At 49 years of age, Eddie, uh, it, was, it was a total shock. And uh, all we can do is just pass on our condolences to uh, family and friends. But at 49 years of age, uh, Paul Green was
1: a great person, great player, and a great coach. The Penrith assistant coach,
0: uh, Cameron Seraldo, uh, has just signed a five-year deal to take over Canterbury Bulldogs for next season. Now, many clubs have chased Ciraldo for, well, for many, many years, um, He's an assistant coach at the Panthers. And uh, everyone in rugby league realizes that he is a good coach. And it's taken 800,000 per season for five years to take him away from Penrith. A lot of clubs have been after him over the past two, two years. Uh, mainly due to perhaps the owner of the Canterbury-Bankstown club, uh, the Bulldogs, is a man called Arthur Laundie, who is a pub baron, and evidently is worth over five to six hundred million dollars. And as we keep saying, Eddie, if there's one way to attract someone to come away from one club to another, it's called money. You can't blame him for taking it, but... Uh, the media have just, well, they've jumped on the wagon and said, wow, a five-year deal. It's the longest ever deal for a reserve-grade coach down under. Wow.
1: And how much do you say? $800,000 a year?
0: 800000 Australian dollars per season.
1: Blimey. Is it any wonder Lee Briers and Richard Agar are on the plane at the end of the year? The at- attraction
0: um, is very, very strong. Very, very strong indeed.
1: And so is the attraction of listening to you every week on this podcast, old boy.
0: I must leave with with something that's really, really nice. That, that in eastern suburbs, right, they have the Sydney Roosters have hit form. They beat North Queensland 32-18 over the weekend. And they have a winger there called Joseph Sawali. Uh, he scored a hat-trick. Over North Queensland. Now the the media have been pushing this youngster for selection for Australia for the World Cup, and I, I have not seen a young kid as a winger as good as this fella. It it it's not beyond well imagination to think that a young lad with so so much inexperience, but he's the goods. He really is a great player. And as I said, the media say it surely has got to be picked for Australia for the World Cup. But if they do not select him, guess what? He can play for Samoa. And this kid will be a superstar when it comes to the World Cup, whether he plays for Australia or Samoa. He's
1: sensational. Listen, great to talk to you again. And uh, we'll speak again same time next week. Ta-ta. Take care, top man.